I think what we're seeing now is actually the rise of the citizen data scientist. Welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes podcast. Each episode features an interview with today's leaders in advertising technology. If you're working in ad tech and always wanted to sit down and pick the brains of today's experts, then this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we meet a new ad tech hero. Hello and welcome to the Attic Heroes podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about data and I'm delighted to be joined by Dylan Moritzing, who's the Chief Data Officer at M6 and Partners. Hi Dylan, how's it going? Hi, yeah, great Dal, thanks for having me. Great to speak to you today. Are you ready for the summer? Are you in full swing for the summer holidays? And is, it, is work going to be quite busy for you now or is it time to put your feet up a little bit? <laughs> I wish there was time to put our feet up. I've had a little bit of a summer holiday already. Now I think we're definitely in the build mode, getting ready for the back to school season for our clients and uh, new biz as well. Yeah, the rush and madness of Q4 is closer than we think. So <laughs> we've all got that to look forward to. But yeah, like I said, it's great to speak to you today in our episode about data. To kickstart things, it'd be great to understand a little bit about your career and what's got you to where you are today. Yeah, thanks. So I think... Compared to a lot of your other guests, I've maybe come into contact with the ad tech world from a slightly different angle. My background is research data, even IT in the in my early days, and pivoted towards media owner side and out of home and mobile specialist within Group M called Kinetic, and really started to get turned on to the the shift towards behavioural data. Around 11 or 12 years ago, I joined Manning Gottlieb and B in the UK. And we put together a group that thought about consumer insight and data modeling and effectiveness all in one place. And AdOps was part of that group, which was really interesting for me. And part of my role at that time was to navigate the world of DMPs. We just white labeled New Stars DMP. And that set me up a good stead for my last move, which was to M's Fiction Partners. In 2017, we started by building the team around the new TV agency, Twitter Lexus Europe account. I started the audience planning function here. And ever since then, I've been like broadening out the applications of data, making it useful, building out that team, tipping into data strategy, overseeing analytics now, and even introducing data ethics, governance and data engineering and that whole piece. Getting ever closer to ingraining a data-driven culture, basically, and really trying to make data useful in all forms. So be that from insights to activation and planning through to measurement and effectiveness as well. And in terms of, you mentioned like building out teams, working with different stakeholders within the company. When, from your experience, when does an organization take data seriously and have you seen it done in different ways? You mentioned like adopts, does data sit within one specific team in an organization or do you feel at, from adopts to sales to various other marketing, finance, different departments that everyone should be taking it seriously or working on it? I think, you know, it's a great question. I think when I've seen it done well, and what we've tried to instigate at MFIX and the AM partnership more broadly, is make sure that the data and tech is 
enabling as many people as possible, but we're not duplicating the infrastructure that needs to do that. And, and definitely not duplicating the tasks around it as well. Wherever we can, having one source of truth per client and obviously respecting their, the client boundaries around their either customer data or performance data, but where we can replicate the processes and create efficiencies that way so that the finance version of a booked plan isn't drastically different from the campaign management version or, and is in line with what the strategist had told him and, and, and create alignment from the early days. So we're actually building out quite a strong toolkit to create those handoffs in a more efficient way. And like I said, so having data and tech be a support for each of those, rather than saying, you've got to think about this campaign data, you've got to think about that data over there and it be all disjointed. I don't think that's what clients expect of agencies and quite often agent clients are looking for us to help navigate their complexity. So you, you think of some of our more federated clients like financial services or FMCG, where they've got lots of a portfolio of brands, sometimes with their own data set up, disparate teams or distributed geographic teams, and we can help navigate that complexity for them because we've had to do that internally and we can help set vendors and show them what ways of working work mm -hmm. in terms of bringing them value from a common data foundation, basically. Definitely. Um, um, I worked, I've always worked media owner side and what I found is at the brief stage, the proposal stage, there's a ton of work put in on the data part and showcasing the different data points and the reasoning behind certain audiences and targeting capabilities. But where I've seen the disconnect is then during campaign and post campaign when it comes to the analysis, the measurement, the reporting part. Is that the same that you've seen on the agency side? And it's, I suppose it's a twofold question. So have you seen it on the agency side and then who's who should be owning this to be checking in at the different stages of a campaign, for example? I think it usually we can all agree on the KPIs that we're aiming to get out of the campaign. And sometimes the there's a really strong rationale for a data-driven audience to feed that we believe that this audience is your core source of growth. And sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect. And that is for the agency and client to, to resolve in my view, and really not bring that complexity by the time we we're talking to vendors and platforms. I think that being said, I think there's a role for strategic audiences, depending on the brief. And then there's a role for platform capabilities, vendor capabilities that maybe slightly deviates from that. And if we say there's another way of delivering against those KPIs are exceeding what we've seen a given audience strategy as delivering in the past, we need to be really open-minded from that perspective. And I think one of the things that the agency can do in that relationship between their partner ecosystem and the advertisers is build that trust. So encourage experimentation, encourage new approaches while staying true to the KPIs that we're looking to deliver. Strong opinions lightly held, I'd say, is the cliche summary of that. Definitely. Um, and then in your opinion, how important is data today? I'm guessing you're massively biased because you are the chief data officer and you will say it's important. But yeah, in your opinion, how, yeah, how important is it? And 
is that reflective with the brands and the vendors that you're working with? Obviously, yes, I am biased. I'm going to look to apply data wherever it makes sense. And the, that's a really important caveat because I think if you do it incorrectly, if you're just blindly using historic data or narrow consumer survey data and not using the available capabilities or behavioral signals of facts versus opinions, that's, then that starts to bog down what we're, how we appear in the market on behalf of our brand. So I think using the right data in context and using the right signals as well, I think is a big part of my role coaching as much as the agency as I can and educating our clients on what the right uses of data are and what the right signals are to be using at any given time. Because I think any advertiser would would be quite open to say there's always more to be done. It's everyone's on a roadmap. There's no end state where one client is absolutely smashing it across the board. There's always more to be done with finite budgets and finite opportunities to, to test, learn and iterate. And data can help prove out and disprove and give new signals to, to reach target customers. It can also give you dead ends and you need to find those dead ends really quickly and move on, but build that into your learning agenda and like I said before build that trust so that we're willing to experiment continuously and it's probably safe to say there's tons of different data points right how do you manage all these different data points different platforms and then ultimately presenting them back or working with the client on what data is worth worthwhile for them and not yeah how do you manage that whole kind of relationship with data I think so that, that really depends on me, on the client. So usually we get, try to get under the skin of their tech stack and, and their data capabilities. And we're really answering one key question for them is what can they do with that as it is today? And then the second key question is what can we do to help evolve that and build additional capabilities that make sense to hit their goals sooner or more efficiently? And through that lens, then everything becomes quite straightforward, Expl helping them explore their um, data assets, their customer data, their performance data, and so on. Those becomes, become data visualization tasks mm -hmm. where we've got the, you know, a need to, for a single customer view. That's all possible as well. Those become modeling tasks to manage that complexity. I think what we're seeing now is actually the rise of the citizen data scientist where more and more of these capabilities, whereas before you needed a data scientist, data engineer, a data architect, even and a whole team. And if the client didn't have that, then that would need to be outsourced and it would take months to deliver value. We're seeing a lot more off the shelf tools where these, these can be done in low code or no code environments. We can connect to clients databases through technologies like Snowflake and do our analytics tasks and reporting and data cleansing even, and all of the hygiene things. We can do that in a lot more turnkey way and show value a lot sooner. And quite often we've got embedded and hybrid client models where, so for instance, with electronic arts, we've got a team that sit alongside and alongside their team and it's a, an extension of the marketing organization. And um, through that perspective, we can, we're sharing value with data and tech jointly.
and we've got one shared roadmap and a really clear view on what the next year, 18 months, even further out looks like for what they need to build and how we need to collaborate. And how has that changed over the years? I'm guessing we've got access to different sources of data now versus 10 years ago. The demands from a client are probably different. They're probably a lot more tech and data savvy now than they were 10 years ago. The rise of in-housing and bringing in ad tech talent within within the, the company rather than just using and leaning on the agencies. Yeah, so how, is that, how, how have you seen that develop over the last five to 10 years? I think in the, that's a really useful time scale to think yeah. about actually, because it feels like a pendulum swing one way than the other. Been around long enough to have seen the Wild West times of the programmatic ecosystem and the sprawling Luma skates getting ever more complicated. And then the ANA reports of people trying to say, right, how do, how, where does my dollar get spent and where's the value actually coming from? Supply path optimization or things, bringing things back towards clients feeling more control. But in that time, I think the early days, clients were really happy for agencies to experiment and almost select partners quite autonomously and with maybe a little too little scrutiny mm. looking back. And I would say that sometimes the, the, you know, the ad fraud, ad verification in industry that had to come up around that was a good thing and weeded out a lot of the bad actors pretty early on. And now what we're seeing with the death of the cookie and that whole transition period, clients have had to think more about their supply chain. Mm -hmm. What data are they using? How do they want to work with their high value audiences and reach them and target them? And usually that when I talk about a pendulum swing, it's saying I'm not going to leave that to the partner data ecosystem, third party data and platform data. I'm actually going to more in more concerted fashion, build up my first party data asset. And I think to an extent there was an overcorrection that way because not every client is going to be able to build up a bank of email addresses and personal data to, to be able to target from and create new sources of growth from. So I think there's a middle ground now that we're really in the midst of where uh, the right partners enriching our clients' capabilities is hugely valuable. Obviously, post-cookie at the heart because we've been living with that reality for a few years now and solving measurement challenges around that at the same time, because where attribution was, was almost like taken for granted the log level data that we were able to build up and attribute the value of each touch point across the programmatic landscape. Now we're looking back towards modeling and other routes like experimentation for incrementality contribution. And I think that sort of pendulum shift between let's build up our internal data capability, let's use the right modeling, right techniques, right partners. I think that's a really fascinating space to be in. I think we're just getting that balance right now, at least within M6. So I'd say that broadly as an industry, we're starting to strike the right balance as well. And do you think that's how you pick your vendor partners is future-proofing yourselves and working with them that have this modeling in place and you're really trying to deep dive in the value that it will provide your clients and do you think that's important for you because 
like you said in the past a lot of the bad players have gone and now it's a case of being very strategic in who you align yourselves with yeah absolutely i think if you've got access to the right audiences the right scale you can you can show the incremental value and you're willing to partner with us on our learning roadmap we think for context for this partnership is going to go like this in these phases we think we can prove out this value and this test case and then scale up in that way the partner vendors that we work with that, that are collaborative and are willing to prove small and scale up maybe from one territory to multiple or one line of business to multiple those are the ones that that really do well from an m6 perspective because they are that, that implies like a level of transparency shared risk and i think that's when we're at our best with our using the trust that we build and learning together and iterating together and helping our clients grow which is what we're all here for yeah definitely and you mentioned like the death of the cookie you mentioned scale as well do you feel now we're somewhat going back to the basics going back to how media was bought 10 15 years ago the rise of contextual do you think that is playing a big part now with data usage and is it then easier to present this back to the brand now because once you present contextual versus other forms of data that would have maybe used in the past could have maybe been a bit complicated but yeah do you feel that we're somewhat going back to the basics now with yeah with the death of the cookie I think, yeah, so it's an interesting, I think the right level of complexity is definitely the thing that we always strive for. The simplest answer that's going to get clients to where they need to get to is definitely the right way forward in my view. And usually that means like less of opaque data usage and more, what are the right signals and what are the right ways of layering and combining data to build audiences? We're seeing maybe an elimination of questionable third-party data, tracking-oriented data, but more when you've got a provable supply chain, this second-party data partnership or this clean room activated option, or even different innovative ways of reproducing and, and understanding audiences. So the federated audience piece and the techniques that are available there, they're completely anonymous, but creating in interest pools and cohort level audiences that get the nub of the audience definition without exposing personal data and then looking at new ways of combining data so we're seeing a rise you mentioned contextual i've bucket geography in that and got some really interesting technology under development where we can target and key based off of location as an identifier not just as a broad geofence but actually using that as a replacement for the cookie in it in a way of blending our clients transaction data with platform data with survey originated data for even i think like i said at the start the right level of complexity we're getting better at telling those stories of this is the value that contextual can bring this is the value of and role for your first party data in amongst all of this and then this is the platform capabilities and what they can uniquely add as well because we can't forget about the vast amounts of capabilities that are held with each of the walled gardens as well. Definitely. Do you have any examples of where brands have used data really well? Yeah, I've got a few. I think we're just on the hyperlocal targeting sort of piece. We've got a really interesting product via Greek Nexus called Unmissable, which uses 
all addressable media that can be targeted using location and surround sounds, if you like, those particular areas. So if that can span connected TV, display and audio formats as well. And we've done that a couple of times using that product for Strike, which is an online estate agent. You can imagine that that's going to be very street by street oriented, looking at their uptake, their supply and demand. And similarly for TalkTalk, broadband is going to hyperfast. That is one way of getting a, an end run around what is quite a competitive market is can you get your product, your pricing out and enveloping a new street that's about to be switched on sooner than your competitors. And obviously these are challenger brands in each of their categories. Uh, so a way of bringing that efficiency down to the real areas that matter, driving efficiency, driving effectiveness by not blanket broadcast, feeling like a broadcast message, but actually delivering real targeting and efficiency gains there. So that's that signal has worked really well for that, for those clients, if it's strike and talk, talk. And News UK is an interesting one as well, because obviously they're, they're an advertiser and a media owner in their own right. Um, so you can imagine they've built up quite a substantial first party data asset across the times and the sun. And with the sun, they're aiming to shift user behavior. So in, it drive incremental usage of the sun. And in that case, we've used their permutative data collection to drive frequency in that way. And then another example, again, with a completely different signal set, but going deep within the Amazon ecosystem is mm -hmm. we've just had Prime Day. Fossil Group is one of our clients. They have fossil brand watches. They've also got a number of licensed brands in their portfolio. So Prime Day is really important for them. And driving volume, it's their doorbuster sales skis, but also the rest of their range as well to make sure their margins maintained. And really that was a relatively hands-on use of data because we had bespoke dashboards across the prime day period mm -hmm. and the team were quite hands-on looking at in real time at the conversion data coming through and pivoting the strategy, the media strategy within the retail media space from day one to day two and on reallocating spend according to that reporting view, that, that BI dashboard, which all told was a huge success as well. Some really disparate examples there. I'm not sure if that was quite what you had in mind, but gives you an idea of the kinds of work that we're doing and where brands are seeing value from data. It, it's, it's probably safe to say data is used in different ways, right? Like you said, in terms of KPIs and what the overarching objectives are. The fossil example is great. So using data on an ongoing basis, right? Because if you just turn something on and looked at it five, 10 days later, it, the performance probably wouldn't have been as good and you weren't using those insights on a daily basis. So I think that's a key takeaway from there is working closely, whether it's your vendors, media owners, there's different stakeholders when any campaign is live, right? So yeah, I think it's important to, to stay in touch and just, yeah, not just to check in once the campaign's finished. I, th I think that's important. We know data in isolation is super important with any campaign, but when have, have you seen creative as well as data work hand in hand on, on your side? And have you got any examples there where, yeah, where they've worked well? Yeah. So I think we've, we're lucky enough to be part of a joint venture with Group M, which most people that they're aware of M6 will know about. Mm -hmm. We've also got a 
part of a, a wider relationship with the AM partnership. So that means we've got a number of integrated clients like Britvic, Toyota, Lexus, Europe, TalkTalk, a number of others. And in each of those cases, we've, we're quite ahead of the game, I'd say, by saying the core relationship at the, at the start of any brief isn't just a media planner and a creative planner working in isolation and then having data be a subset of the media work further down the line but actually having an audience plan a partner of those people mm -hmm. as well. And that means that the behavioral data that maybe would have sat quite downstream in the programmatic decision-making historically, quite early on, we were able to bubble up and say, can that be useful to, to creative ideation as well? And now living through the changes with personalized creative, automation opportunities, and now generative AI as well, all of that fodder, all of that signal data is far more useful across the piece. So we've got a number of pilots from projects that I can't really talk about across those clients, but super interesting. And I think what I can talk about is the working relationship. All of a sudden, the exec creative directors that maybe were shielded or not exposed to the data capabilities in the past, they're not only exposed to it, but they're actually getting stuck in as well. They are seeing the capabilities that, that we're able to show the future sources of growth. These are your loyalty audiences, your expansion audiences. These are the things that drive them and motivate them. And then create a through line all the way from one of our most famous examples was on Toyota, where we create an alignment with their internal attitudinal data from coming back from recent car buyers, recent converters across Europe and creating a through line throughout the campaign planning process. Basically the brief that a product designer had when they were creating a minor change or a, a full new model was referencing the same audience data as the definition that was being pushed to platforms for activation. And you've got that red thread that mm -hmm. we always dreams of on other accounts which is really cool to work on for everyone involved because you've got a single source of truth start to finish. Sometimes you do need to pivot when you know, you're, you've intended a product and intended a strategy to hit these audiences, but these you're getting market resonance from a completely different group or an unexpected group because for instance, the practical capabilities of the vehicle in that case were really engaging for a particular sport or completely on it unforeseen life stage or, and that, that whole piece. And I think where we've become more data driven, more dynamic, we're helping our clients evolve as well. So we're bubbling those back up to their business planning, not just their media and marketing planning as well. Yeah, I think we'll definitely see a, a more of a collaboration between creative teams and data teams moving forward into the H2 this year in 2024. And you touched on AI, but it'd be great to understand that in a bit more detail on how you feel AI will influence the future use of data? I think really it's, it comes down to two things. So what can we do to make our business more efficient internally and with our clients? We are collapsing decision-making and automating decision-making where the data can point us to a better start point than guesswork may have allowed us historically. And then for 
the more of the consumer facing benefits, how can we create more effective and inspiring work that it, it drives response, drives engagement, drives our clients' KPIs. And so if you think of it through both of those lenses, the data and AI piece is quite intrinsically interlinked. So you need the right source of truth. AI can't work in isolation. It needs to be fed by training data. Typically with large language models, we can personalize and tailor that to be so that one of our account teams can be querying their client's version of the truth. So their private data, their results data, rather than asking blindly a whole corpus of the whole internet, for instance, and training our teams on how when to use their internal private version, when to tip into the more general purpose tools, I'd say. That's a big area of focus for us at the moment. On the external, more client effectiveness driving work, we're seeing, I think, the generative AI areas are hugely interesting from a performance and personalization perspective, because whereas personalized creative would have been quite mechanical and forward planned, we can be more agile, create assets that are brand safe and very high quality in a fraction of the time. And to my earlier point, we can respond to market dynamics far quicker as well. So I think that's a huge piece there. Client, our clients and customers see more tailored messaging that still feels premium, feels they're not the only ones seeing that, but actually we can target in an ever more granular way. There's going to be more more interesting, more engaging for those people. Yeah, I think definitely AI will help the speed and the scale, right, for the campaigns. And we always think of as consumers or users of the internet, those quirky, quick uses of data, quick turnaround times, creatives, like the ones that shout out to me are like the Burger Kings of this world, those types of brands where have, have a, yeah, a play on words or, or a bit quirky in their response. But data is obviously influencing that. And the fact that their creative team has turned around a copy within hours, right? Not just within days. So I definitely think AI will have a big role to play when it comes to speed and then ultimately scale, right? Because if you've got the speed, but then the targeting is too granular and not enough people are seeing it, I think it gets wasted there as well. So I think that's important. Yeah. I think we will find the right balance. I think we're already seeing a bit of an uncanny valley where people feel like this is mm. over-automated. And where is the human generated content, the human generated artistic expression mm. and, and marketing's got a role to play and some thinking to be done around that as well. Cause to your point, sometimes the impression of scale, the impression mm. of one homemade, handmade, beautiful piece of work can do the job of thousands or millions mm. of asset combinations as well. And I think. Our partnerships with Wonderman Thompson, Satalia, which is another WP-owned AI company that we acquired recently, those, our partnerships with those people are already paying dividends. They're, we're thinking really broadly around how these technologies benefit every piece of that workflow and what's the right consumer-facing expression of that as well, not just the internal efficiency piece. Definitely. We always finish off our podcast episodes with this last question, so I'd love to get your take on it. If you had a superpower in ad tech, what would it be? 
I think if I had a superpower, it'd probably be able to pause time for our clients. I think this chat has been a really interesting expression of that to an extent. I think where we're seeing things like generative AI, other opportunities, but our clients can feel like they're missing the boat if mm. they don't jump in to every new technology blindly. And also sometimes it can feel like their competitors are running away with an advantage if they adopted a new tech even a few months earlier. So I think M6, our, our agency, other players are pretty good overall at coming up with rapid points of view. They're usually there or thereabouts on the money, but being able to stop time and help our clients digest those um, would, would help them see things from our perspective. Hopefully help them see new technologies, new vendors from all angles and really focus on those that will help them do even better in their goals as well. Brilliant. Great answer. I think that's all we've got time for in today's episode. Thanks, Dylan, for your time. It's been great speaking to you. Thanks, Dylan. Pleasure. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of AdTech Heroes. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. To see all the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, head over to adtechheroespodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by SeedTag, the world's leading contextual advertising company. Contextual intelligence allows you to engage with consumers within their universe of interest on a cookie-free basis. By delivering ads into content, we capture users' attention faster and retain it longer. Learn more and reach out to us at seedtag.com.